All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Let us pray. Almighty God, we ask you graciously to behold us, your family, for whom our Lord Jesus Christ was willing to be betrayed and given into the hands of sinners and to suffer death upon the cross, who now lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. In the words of the old Negro spiritual, if you cannot preach like Peter, if you cannot pray like Paul, you can tell the love of Jesus and say, He died for all. Well, I can't preach like Peter and I can't pray like Paul. What I can do, what I try to do, is tell you that Jesus loves you and he died for each and every person. This is Good Friday. Normally, we would gather together in the dimness, guided to the altar by the flickering candles. Normally, we would sing somber songs and read scripture passages about the Lord's passion. And then, as the candles are extinguished, we would sit in the darkness before filing out of the church in silence. But these are not normal times. And today is not a normal day. This is a day of death. And we have the audacity to call it good. Hear the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke, chapter 23, verses 33 through 46. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing and they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. Elie Wiesel, the famed author and Holocaust survivor, recounted a chilling story in his book entitled Night. In this book, 
Wiesel shared stories from his days in a German concentration camp. In this particular story, a nearby power plant had been blown up by a saboteur. The Gestapo was called in, and their investigation led them to one of the prisoners who oversaw work teams who were allowed to leave the camp. A secret stockpile of weapons was found. The man was interrogated and transferred to Auschwitz and never heard from again. But the Gestapo did not stop there. They interrogated a young boy who worked as an assistant to the first man. He, too, refused to give any information, and that sealed his fate. Hear Elie Wiesel's words. One day, when we came back from work, we saw three gallows rearing up in the assembly place. Three black crows. Roll call. SS all around us. Machine guns trained, the traditional ceremony. Three victims in chains, and one of them, the little servant, the sad-eyed angel. The SS seemed more preoccupied, more disturbed than usual. To hang a young boy in front of thousands of spectators was no light matter. The head of the camp read the verdict. All eyes were on the child. He was vividly pale, almost calm, biting his lips. The gallows threw its shadow over him. The three victims mounted together on the chairs. The three necks were placed at the same moment within the nooses. Long live liberty, cried the two adults. But the child was silent. Where is God? Where is he? Someone behind me asked. At a sign from the head of the camp, the three chairs tipped over. Total silence throughout the camp. On the horizon, the sun was setting. For more than half an hour he stayed there, struggling between life and death, dying in slow agony under our eyes. And we had to look him full in the face. He was still alive when I passed in front of him. His tongue was still red. His eyes were not yet glazed. Behind me, I heard the same man asking, Where is God now? And I heard a voice within me answer him, Where is he? Here he is. He is hanging there on this gallows. If our question on Palm Sunday was, Who is this? Then it is perfectly understandable on Good Friday to ask the question from the concentration camp, Where is God? As we gaze at the dying man hanging from the cross, we must ask, Where is God? It's the question that was asked on the day of Jesus' death. The Gospels tell us that two criminals were executed alongside Jesus. One said to him, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. Or you could restate it this way. Where's your God now? And then it dawns on him. God isn't watching this execution from a distance. This is God dying with us. Remember me, Lord, when you enter into your kingdom, he begs. Not when your kingdom comes, but when you come into your kingdom. Today, Jesus says, you will be with me in paradise. 
Where is God? God is not watching his son die, nor has God turned his face away. Where is God? He is hanging on the cross. Now, when we read Luke's gospel by itself, without looking over the shoulders of Matthew, Mark, or John, we see that Luke does not connect the death of Jesus with the forgiveness of sins. Isn't that interesting? It's not that Luke doesn't believe that Jesus can forgive sins. He certainly does. That happens all over the Gospel of Luke. But for Luke, forgiveness happens before the cross, not at the cross. Now, why do we make that distinction? Because for Luke, the cross is an epiphany. It's a demonstration of love. This is God's supreme act of loving mankind. Only Luke tells us that the dying Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Jesus isn't forgiving sins. God is. You see, for Luke, the cross is less cosmic and more personal. It's less legal and more relational. Jesus dying on the cross is not so much, well, now that that's out of the way, we can be friends again. The cross is more, I didn't know you loved me that much. Keep in mind that the cross was our invention, mankind's invention, not God's. In our need for an eye for an eye, it seems like God heard our cry for blood and offered his own. So Jesus' sacrifice on the cross is not to satisfy God's wrath. It is God's response to our wrath. That's Luke's theology. Where is God? God is dying on the cross. But it's not a sign of loss. It's a symbol of love. And if love is going to win, because love always wins... Love has to enter death. If God is love, and the world is his loving creation, then God participates in each part of the world. That means that God feels and suffers it all with us. Remember at Christmas, the angel said, His name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. I think most of us have been told that where Jesus is, there is no more hurt, no more pain. When Jesus shows up, there's no more blindness, no death, no disease. Have you heard that? Sounds great, doesn't it? But that's not what Luke tells us. Here's what Luke says. Wherever there is pain, wherever there is death, wherever there is blindness or sorrow or, or disease, that's where Jesus is. That's where God is. Where is God in the midst of a pandemic? He's there on the ventilator. Or not. He's there in the isolation. He's there in the homemade face mask. He's there in the anxiety and the fear. You see, there's no such thing as a God-forsaken place or person. Because wherever there is pain or need or disappointment, there is God. 
And that's an important distinction to make because Luke wrote his gospel account for disheartened, disappointed people. And in times like this, when we are disheartened and disappointed, when we're sad or hurt or sick or in pain or lonely, Jesus is there. Where is God? God is on the cross. Why? Because he loves us. And because he loves us, he suffers right along with us. Let us pray. Merciful God, creator of all the peoples of the earth and lover of souls, thank you for loving us. Have compassion on all who do not know you as you are revealed in your Son, Jesus Christ. Let your gospel be preached with grace and power to those who have not heard it. Turn the hearts of those who resist it and bring home to your fold those who have gone astray, that there may be one flock under one shepherd, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now we go into the dark, but there is a light that shines that not even death can put out. We go into the dark, but even now new life is dawning. We go into the dark in the sure and certain hope that Christ is with us.